in a series called uh, Words, and it's our final Sunday. And we're talking about this idea that Jesus says that for out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And we've been talking about when you say something you didn't mean to say, when you are in a group and something slips out, all that is is an overflow of what's going on in here. And so you say oftentimes, I didn't mean to say that. I didn't mean to. But what you really are saying is, I didn't mean to show you that part of my heart. Or you could say this, and this is a really good thing to say. You say it to yourself. Don't freak out the person you're talking to. Wow, there's something I need to address. Something came up, and I realized I need to address something. I don't know if that's ever happened to you. It happened to me all week long, where all of a sudden I blurt something out, and maybe I wasn't even talking to someone. Maybe I was just talking to myself. Maybe I'm just in my car or in the shower or just by myself, and something comes out. I don't know if this has ever happened to you. You're having a conversation with a person who's not there. You ever done that? Yeah, don't look at me like you haven't done it. But I'll do this. I'll be in my car driving, and someone will come to my mind, and I'll be having this conversation. Well, and the other thing that you didn't know is you should. And it's almost like the Lord says, who are you talking to? Well, what's happened is my heart has overflowed, and it's like I got some insecurities maybe, some different things. And so that's all our, our heart does. And if, if, if what we've been saying all all this whole series is in order to control your tongue, you have to control your heart. You don't just say, I'm not going to say that. That's helpful, and that's a good first step. Stop saying this. The more important step is I need to now go into my heart and address what's going on because I don't like what's coming out. Does that make sense? Good. I hope so because we're on week six. If you don't have it by now, uh, I didn't do a very good job. Here's the verse we've been memorizing. Set a guard over my mouth, Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Set a guard over my, how, uh, uh, over my mouth, uh, O oh Lord, or Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Psalm uh, 141.3. Every time I look at this, I, don't, I always didn't realize there was that many Psalms. Really? 141 of them. Okay. So that's what we've been ta- talking about. Well, uh, when I was in my late 20s, I was attending a church in uh, the South Bay, and uh, there was a challenge to share your faith in our group, and everybody needed to share their faith that week. So it was a young, young married group, so it was Lisa and I and these friends. We're still friends with everybody, uh, even though they go to an apostate church uh, that's not Living Spring. Um, no, we're still friends with them, and so I had to share my faith. Because I was told to by the teacher to go share my faith, which is always really healthy. And so I pick my boss to be the person I'm going to share the gospel with. And I take him out to lunch. Now, in your early 20, I mean, your late 20s, taking someone out to lunch is Del Taco, okay? So it wasn't really like I took him out to lunch. We just had lunch at Del Taco and I paid for it. So I sit down with him, and I'm like, okay, all right, going to share my faith, going to tell him about Jesus. Here we go. Uh, 
I'm going, I'm nervous, right? I'm very nervous. I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but I'm very nervous. And I start going over the gospel, you know. And so, uh, you, know, you're, you know, you're a sinner, right? Um, you know, I got him to admit he was a sinner. Like, yes, good, admit he's a sinner. Um, well, where do you want to spend eternity? Do you want to spend eternity in heaven or hell? You know, well, you know, so we go through that whole thing. I go through the whole spiel, had it all worked out, all this stuff. I get to the end, and I don't really know how to, how to close. <laughs> if you're in sales, you'll know what I'm talking about. Like, I didn't, so I basically, I'm sitting there with my food, and I basically go, so, what do you think? <laughs> right? And he's like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not interested. Now, you say, John, why are you telling this story? I wasn't interested either. The gospel I presented didn't appeal to me, and I was the one presenting it. You know why? Because out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. If I were to share the gospel now with him, it would be radically different. And I have, and I, I believe he's following the Lord. But my heart was to win. My heart was to make the sale. My heart was to get back into that class and say, I did my job. I'm going to give you a little tip. That's not why I follow Jesus today. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, and I didn't have enough in my heart to share a compelling gospel because it was religion and it was a to-do list. And it was, you have to do this. Now, you say, John, are you saying you don't share the gospel with people? That's what we're going to talk about this morning. So what happens is, Jesus has died. He's risen from the dead. And now, it, everyone's just trying to go, move on. Right? It's almost like you get someone out of office, and it's like, oh, yay! Okay. Like, Got to go to work, got to raise your kids, got to go. And by the way, um, just because Marquise said some kids need more prayer than others, and everybody was like, boo, I raised one of those kids, okay? So some kids really do need more prayer than others. It's theological, okay? Anywho, having said that, they're trying to move on. They're trying to raise their kids. They're trying to figure out what's going on. Th three people were just executed, and one rose from the dead. And they're trying to figure that out. And they're also trying to figure out like, hey, were you there when he fed 5,000? Yeah, yeah, I was. So here's what's happening. Peter and John and are going into the temple, which I, is extraordinary to me that Acts just kind of just says it. They're going into the temple and the Pharisees there were the ones that killed Jesus. That would be kind of awkward to me. If I were a disciple, I'd be like, hey, man, what's going on? Yeah, kill Jesus, huh? Are we good, the two of us? Like, I don't know what that, what do you say when the Pharisees were the ones that killed Jesus and you're just kind of walking in the temple? Further, the veil of the temple was ripped from top to bottom. So you can imagine in the temple, imagine if we're sitting here trying to do church, but our fellowship hall had burned to the ground. We'd, it would kind of be like, hey, what are we going to do about that? I don't know if they were up there like, oh man, I 
You could sew this. Okay, here we go. You almost made it to the top. Like, what, what happens? That curtain was so thick, and it was ripped from top to bottom. So they, are they sewing that up? What's happening? So they're entering into the temple. You can just imagine. I don't know because the Bible doesn't tell me, but I would imagine that everything was heightened a bit. Okay? What are these disciples going to do? Are they going to exact revenge on the Pharisees? Are they going to talk about this or that? So they walk in. And there's a person begging there. And just so you understand the culture of that day, if you had any type of physical ailment, uh, there was no universal health care. There was no safety net. There was no social security, nothing. You're on your own. And all you could do was beg. And you would do that at the temple or at the city gate, depending on who you are and all of that. And so... Peter and John are walking in, and there's this guy, and he's begging. Uh, furthermore, they believe that if you had a physical ailment, it was God judging you. So you can imagine just the psyche of what's going on. Just very, it, there's just a lot of stuff going on in the temple on this day. The guy's begging. Typically, they would look down. They wouldn't make eye contact, okay? So you take this posture of humility, and you have whatever it is, your hands or your thing, because you are being judged by God, and the only way you're going to survive is through the kindness of the people who come. And Peter, it says in the Bible, sets his gaze upon him. And he looks at him, and I believe at that particular point, the Holy Spirit, in, an, in a miraculous act, had informed Peter, I want to heal this guy, Okay? We'll get, we can get into healing a whole nother time about does, God does heal, okay? I just want that to be clear. He fixes his gaze on him and says, I don't have silver. I don't have any gold. The stuff you're begging for, I don't have. But in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And he reaches out his hand and grabs the guy, pulls him up. And the guy's like, for the first time, it says in Acts that he was 40 years old. We find this out later. He was 40 years old, which means he'd been begging for a long time, which means everybody knew this guy. This is very, very important. Everybody knew this guy. Everybody knew his brokenness. Walk by him every day, every whatever, however, how often you went to the temple, he was there. And now the Bible says he's walking, he's leaping, he's praising God. And that's what's, that's what's happening. Well, uh, the Pharisees, um, let's make sure I got my glasses. I'm wearing a jacket today. I wanted to feel pretty today. And so I just, I, I wanted, I just decided to wear a jacket, but now I'm all freaked out. So what happens is all the people come rushing in, as you would imagine, like we would, if, if all of a sudden you had known Ray and every week we come to church and Ray sits in the same place and he can't get up, he's in a wheelchair or whatever, and all of a sudden he gets healed, we're all coming over. We're not just going to sit there and go, oh, it's, it's incredible. So they come in and they're like thinking Peter and John are these great people. When Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, so now you can imagine this temple I don't know if the workers are still trying to fix the veil. The people, I don't know if they're, the Pharisees are mulling around. But he says, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why are you freaking out? 
Why do you stare at us as if we did something or by our own power or godliness, we made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, now what he's doing, this is very important, he's tying in Jesus' connection with the Old Testament. We talked about this on our Wednesday night group. And if you're not, uh, we'd, I'd love to have you join us on Wednesday nights. You just read the Bible verses from the app. You just click Bible and your daily reading is right there. I know that it's a black background with red writing right now because Jesus spoke in red. I don't know why. And it does make it a little harder to read. I'll try to get that fixed. But you can read it. And so you read it. And what we were talking about is this scarlet thread of redemption that's throughout the whole Bible. Remember, Jesus said, you search the scriptures because you think in them that you have life. But it is these that point to me. There's a scarlet thread. And what Peter's doing is going, okay, we're in the temple. We're in an Old Testament setting, and here's what I want you to know. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. There's a new era, a new kingdom, a new way of doing it. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. Remember when Pilate said, I find no fault in him. Peter goes on to say, which we'll see, I believe, that you, you ended up trading Jesus for a murderer. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You're, you're living your life in this way of like, you love this kingdom you're in and anything that gets in the way of that kingdom, you want it silenced. You want it gone. You want to just be in the status quo. And Jesus has come to break your status quo. He's not an addition to our lives. The good news can actually be bad news. <laughs> that you don't live for yourself anymore. In baptism, you die to yourself and you're raised to walk in newness of life, and that's with Jesus on the throne, is what Peter's trying to say. You asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the... Now, you can imagine, these people run over, oh my goodness, what's going on? And Peter's now talking to them, you killed the author of life. It's like, okay, shh, just go. You know, I don't know if they're getting upset at this, but here's what he says, and this is vitally important. We are witnesses of this. We've seen some things. We've heard some things. We, our lives are changed because we know who Jesus is. This isn't just the man being healed. This is Peter and John going, I've been with Jesus, and I'm even with him dying and raising from the dead and not being around I've made my decision. This is the kingdom I live in now. We're witnesses of this. He says, by faith in the name of Jesus, this man who you see and know was made strong. And let me tell you, because I know many of our stories, I can go through our entire church directory and go, because of the name of Jesus, This woman got over her addiction. Because of the name of Jesus, this man got over his anger problem. 
Because of the name of Jesus, this man or woman or child got over their anxiety. You see what Peter's saying? He's saying, don't look at me, look at him. Because what Jesus did was transform this guy's life. And that's what we're going to be focused on. So what ends up happening is uh, the rulers freak out because anytime you're in a position of power and that position of power gets threatened, you freak out. It's just what happens to people in power. You can, this is a universal truth. Unhealthy people in power, this is how they all react. They like their power and they don't want it taken away. And you can pick the topic that you want. People in power love to be in power. Well, here was the problem. There was a miracle that they couldn't deny. You couldn't deny that this guy for decades, there's no way it could have been a plant because this guy had been there for decades and now he's healed. I cannot tell you how many people I've seen who were struggling. They were having a hard time walking and it wasn't physical. It was mental. They had a hard time dealing. They had a hard time coping. They had a hard time because they're trying to live in a kingdom that they were not designed to live in. And all the pressure had been put on them that if they don't make it happen, it's not going to happen. And that brings fear and anxiety and uncertainty. And then they met Jesus. <laughs> and their lives were radically changed. And I can just go down the list. I literally know hundreds of people. And you say, well, is it Living Spring? Is it, you know, John? Is it this? Is it that? It's Jesus. That's the gospel. That through the name of Jesus, chains are broken. Through the name of Jesus, family sins are removed. Through the name of Jesus. So they come and they're like, look, don't talk about, the Pharisees come to him like, don't talk about Jesus anymore. Just don't, don't talk about Jesus anymore. <laughs> Think about this. They saw the miracle. Did they really care about this guy in their religious structure? Or was it just a religious structure to them? Now, I'm just going to talk to the Christians for a little bit. If our church, if our expression of faith does not truly care for people to the extent that we might have to step down from our position of power, then we're doing something wrong. Because Jesus said the last will be first. It's a race to the back of the line, not to see who can be in front. So Peter and John, before the rulers, they tell them, uh, th this, is, this is what happened. The rulers were greatly disturbed. Why? Because the apostles were teaching the people. It didn't have anything to do with there's a healing. They're teaching the people. Proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. That was the problem. This is actually Acts 4.2, not 4.12. I don't know why that was in there. But. So what happens? They tell Peter not to speak anymore. Now, here we go. Ready? This is the money verses coming up right now. Then Peter, filled 
with the Holy Spirit, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. It goes the other way as well. When I'm filled with anger and outrage and uncertainty and anxiety, shh, no talkie. When I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, open the floodgates. Because I know what I'm going to say is going to be truthful. It's going to be compassionate. It's going to be maybe rethinking some of the ways I think about things because we're dealing with people. And so Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, this version says, said to the rulers. I like NASB, it says, spoke. He was filled with the Holy Spirit and he spoke. There is something about saying the name of Jesus. There is something about speaking. And I know what it feels like to be a follower of Jesus and to be like, it feels uncomfortable to share the, my faith with somebody oftentimes. But I wonder at those times where it's difficult, am I filled with the Holy Spirit or am I filled with anxiety of how that might come across or how I'm going to talk about it? That maybe, just maybe, in order to share my faith effectively, I need to concentrate more on this than what I'm going to say. Does that make sense? Nobody said good, but it does. <laughs> he says, rulers and elders of the people. And then he gets snarky. If we're being called into account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who is lame and are being asked how he was healed, like, oh, so you're not allowed to heal people? In the, what is it? What are, we, uh, what are you upset about? Right? Then know this, and everybody... We want this to be as clear as possible. It's by the name of Jesus of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you today healed. Here is my gospel message to you from me. Here is me sh sharing my faith. To every extent in my life where I have found victory, it has been through the name of Jesus transforming me into his image. That's my gospel. That's me sharing my faith. That's what happened. To the extent I struggle with anxiety or fear or whatever, that's me just trying to navigate both kingdoms. I got the kingdom of the world here and the kingdom of heaven here, and I'm trying to live in both. And you can't. And to step over into this side of Jesus only just brings freedom. And that's all they're saying. Just, you want to know why this guy's healed? Now, in this case, it was a physical healing, which you see a lot more of in Acts, okay, than we do today. That doesn't mean it doesn't happen. It's just that's the way the Holy Spirit decided to move at that time. Spoiler alert, the Holy Spirit can do what he wants. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven, and, uh, heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. If you are not a follower of Jesus and you're wondering like, John, can't you just keep it to yourself? Like just have your own faith 
that's awesome that you have all these great victories in Jesus. That's good for you, okay? I have another thing that I do. Can't you just keep it quiet? I can't because there's no other name. There's no other name. There's no plan B. It's Jesus. So I can't be silent. I can't just say, oh, you'll figure it out. Nobody drives along and just is driving and going, you know what I need is a savior. What they do is say, man, this is not working. There's no other name. We have no plan B. This is it. It's Jesus. So here's what happens. This is so great. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, which means you don't have to know everything about the Bible in order to share your faith. You don't have to have an answer for anything. As a matter of fact, this is just, this is bonus material. The people I come across that actually have all the answers, I don't necessarily want their gospel. It's, it's like, just because you can argue or you can have all the answers, it, it doesn't necessarily mean, because wh where's the Holy Spirit? It becomes, again, based on my ability to argue. He says, when he saw that they were unschooled, ordinary, you don't have to have all sorts of different skills, and I'm going to do this and that, and that'll draw attention, and then we can share it. Ordinary men, they were astonished and took note that these men, the only criteria is that they'd been with Jesus. Your only criteria to share the, your faith is to be with Jesus, to be committed, to walk along him, to obey the one command he had for us, follow me. Peter, they, they go on and they're like, okay, just stop talking. And here's what Peter says. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes? To listen to you or to him? You be the judge. Go ahead. You know? So I don't know how they would respond, I, I would be like, well, it's kind of more complicated than that. See, Jesus, you know, like they're, I don't know what they'd say. But this is the question for all of us. Who do I care about when I share my story? Do I care about, like, what, what am I doing? My job as a follower of Jesus is just to be with Jesus, and to talk about it. It's almost like anything else. Anything else you'd be excited about, that's working for you. You would share that, right? You'd say, oh man, they'd say, hey, how'd you lose weight? I'm doing the keto diet. Let me tell you about the keto diet or the paleo diet or whatever it is. Let me tell you about it. It's not, you're not saying anything other than the truth because here's what Peter says. And here's what I want to leave you with this week. As for us, as for me personally, we cannot help speaking about what we've seen and heard. I, I, I can't not see something. I can't not hear something. 
And you know what happened to me when I was in my late 20s and I was trying to share the gospel with somebody? I hadn't seen enough and I hadn't heard enough. I had only heard one way to share my faith. I hadn't seen because I hadn't grown enough in my faith to see the radical, radical change in people's lives when they turn their life truly over to Jesus. Now, I had substitutes for what I had seen and heard, and that was Bible teaching, and that's very, very important. Absolutely. Memorize your Bible, read your Bible. We say it all the time. I preach the word. I love the Bible. I tell you almost every week, you got to read your Bible. There's so much good stuff in there. But I want to see the Bible applied. When I see the Bible applied, then I see some stuff, man. Then I see the lame walk. I see the deaf hear. I see the blind see. But when I see the word applied, then I hear some stories about people whose marriages were just destroyed. And because of Jesus, they began picking the pieces up one by one. See, for me now, I'm ruined because I've seen some things and I've heard some things. That's why our faith is done in community, always. There's no other version of your faith that's individualistic. It's not a biblical version. If you're lone rangering it, if you think you can do it on your own, go ahead and try. That's not the Bible. That's foreign to the Bible. It's foreign to Jesus. It's foreign to the early church. It's foreign to the history of the church. It flourishes in community. So if you're watching me online or you're watching later and you're catching up, that's great. But I would push you and push you and push you. You need to see some things. And you need to hear some things. And that happens in community. That doesn't mean you have to be at this church or whatever. I joke around that you can, you know, other churches are apostate or whatever. I joke because it's a joke, right? Be with people. I cannot stop speaking about what I've seen and what I've heard. Jesus brings transformation. Jesus brings salvation. Watch. So they tell him, hey, can you go, um, just go away. <laughs> go away and stop teaching. That's what he says. Go away and stop teaching. So they kind of, they get in trouble by the principal, by the Pharisee principles, and they go back and they share what happened with everybody who's together because they've seen some things and they've heard some things. And they pray. Now, if it were me, this is what I'd pray. Lord, I pray for that one Pharisee. God, he can't stand that dude. Lord, you know, you know they're wrong. And you know their hearts. And they killed you, by the way. So Lord, smite them. <laughs> smite them. I don't even care. Just put the Sadducees in office. Just get the Pharisees out of there. I can't stand them. Amen. That's what I would pray as your most holy reverend pastor. Because <laughs> I've seen some things and I've heard some things. Here's what he says. Now, Lord, take note of their threats. This is a serious deal. 
and grant that your bondservants may speak. There is something about speaking your word with all confidence. Now watch. This is so great. This is your prayer. While you extend your hand to heal and signs and wonders take place through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. In other words, Lord, I am only responsible for one thing, to be bold in my faith because I've seen some things and I've heard some things and those are the things that I want to get out. Over the overflow of my heart, the mouth speaks. I've seen you do so many great things. I can't stop speaking about what I've seen and what I've heard. That's why I share my faith. Not because my teacher told me that this week my assignment is to share my faith. I hadn't seen enough. I hadn't heard enough. To me, my walk with Jesus was filling out little books of getting the answers right. Instead of transforming my life into true holiness and sanctification and going, it works. <laughs> it works. So I'm going to be bold and speak, and I'm going to leave all the Holy Spirit stuff, the healings and the moving of your hand and the stirring of hearts and the, the, the conviction and all those things. I'm leaving it up to you. I'm in sales. You're in accounting. I'll do my job. You do your job. So as the worship band comes back up, here's my question. What have you seen? And what have you heard? That's your testimony. Paul said, we're witnesses of this. Like, like when I talk to somebody about Jesus, I'm not trying to convince them because of a transaction or a notch in my belt. I'm trying to say, man, I know it's not working for you. Let me just tell you what I did. I realize that I'm broken. I realize that my life is mired in sin that was started from the time of my birth and that there's nothing I can do and that I can do things for a little bit of time and it might work. But I've seen some things and I've heard some things and man, Jesus is it. Giving my life over to Jesus is the best thing I've ever done. It means I get to spend eternity with the one who saved me. And that my sin and death has been conquered by the cross, by his death, his burial, and his resurrection. If you're not a Christian and you're wondering why Christians feel this need to have to witness or to share their faith, it's because they've seen some things, hopefully, and they've heard some things. So Romans says this, how can they call upon the one they've not believed in? These are, this is a long list of rhetorical questions. The answer is they can't. And how can they believe in the one of whom they've not heard? The answer is they can't. And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? I wish it didn't say preaching, don't preach, okay? Just telling them their story. And how can someone preach unless they're sent? And follower of Jesus, he's sending you. You're the only one that can reach the people in your circle of influence. I can't. You can send them here. 
You can send them to church on Sunday and go, hey, can you do me a favor and, and uh, preach the gospel so that they'll come to know Jesus? Sure, I just did. That's your sent. My job is to equip you. And you're equipped. All you have to do is say what you've seen and what you've heard. You say, John, I don't know what to say. Well, then maybe you need to see some more things and hear some more things in community. Amen? Because here's what it says. It is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who show up and share their story. We're going to end with one uh, song. And uh, for you, the idea of sharing your faith may just be so, like, I, what if they ask me a question I can't answer? Well, then get in line behind your pastor. I get asked questions every day I don't have the answer to. But I can tell you what I've seen. I can tell you what I've heard. I can tell you how Jesus has transformed my life. It's no difference. Lord God, thank you for sending your son. Thank you for pulling me out of the mire. Thank you that I can look over one of the most chaotic years in history, at least in the history of our country. And I can say, be at peace, because I've seen some things and I've heard some things. And I realize no matter what Pilate does, no matter what Herod does, no matter what Caesar does, you are on the throne you're in control. So Lord, as we sing this last song, speak to us, Lord, so that we may speak. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I pray you would go empowered by his Holy Spirit, emboldened to share your story. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.